Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Matt Harmon, back on the pod wave today, back from vacation, back from beer time, beach time, East Coast time, back here on the West Coast. Nobody cares about that, though. What everybody does care about is Scott Simpson. He's a fantasy football... Listen, he does everything, okay? He does a ton of stuff. He's on podcasts. He's also... uh, trying to challenge listen brett wrote this in the outline i don't know you're challenging my throne as the fantasy's internet uh preeminent wide receiver knower scott oh my goodness. what oh no <laughs> brett what are you doing to me no i i wrote something last year called the wide receiver two theory and what it did was it looked to leverage uh adp mistakes that the general community was making in the second wide receiver in offenses that had the potential to be wide receiver one so justin jefferson Deontay Johnson, Calvin Ridley. I had an article that I put together on nimblewnumbers.com. And so it was inspired by people like you and JJ, not coming for anybody's throne, by the way. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great teaser, though. I, I like that. But uh, I really love wide receivers. And uh, I think there's a lot of value to be had. And, and the community kind of doesn't always know how to uh, gauge offenses. We look at uh, quarterbacks that have, you know, mm-hmm. perennial, you know, you know Devontae Adams, you know, he's going to be killing it. And then we chase that second wide receiver in, in the, the Packers offense all the time because of the perennial you know, offense they're in. But really, there's other second wide receivers that you should be chasing. And so that's kind of where I was looking last year. And thankfully, I hit on most of the ones that I picked on. And so now I'm the pressure's on. So if anything, <laughs> I'm now I'm doubling down on myself and I got to do better this year. So I'm here to learn, here to ask you questions and here to you know, kind of talk about people that uh, maybe I don't think are as you know, overvalued. Exactly. No, we're actually going to talk about your wide receiver two theory here before we jump into kind of the meat of the show. We're going to talk later on about it. So like we're going to have some fun. Listen, because like it's freaking middle of July. OK, this is a very bone dry time when it comes for fantasy news, uh, fantasy takes. We're going to get into, you know, some more fun stuff later about who do we think is overrated or underrated in current drafts right now. But I do want to talk about that wide receiver two theory with a little a little bit with you, Scott, because um, by the way, you mentioned being under pressure. Let me tell you what, buddy, after the 2015 season, when going into it, um, my work with reception perception showed like, Oh, Alan Robinson is going to be the big breakout. It was all, then it was, well, who's the next one? Who's the next Alan Robinson? Like what's coming next. So I'm sure people are banging on your, uh, uh, your internet door right now. Like, okay, Scott, what do we got this year? What do we got this year? But before we talk about what you've got this year, maybe cooking up with the wide receiver two theory, like you gave us a little bit of a, of a, of a dive in there, almost sort of like I wrote a piece last year, like who's the next Chris Godwin, you know, the guy that could be a 
number like is a sort of a number two, but maybe is actually the one B or even the one A of his offense that people aren't sort of looking for. You mentioned Calvin Ridley. He was like the most obvious candidate last year as a guy that could take over there. So before we dive into maybe some specific examples, guys, that we could guess at this year. Um, who, who look, give give the listeners sort of the the bigger than the elevator pitch uh, for your wide receiver two theory. Yeah. So uh, it, it, what inspired me was I had hit on Chris Godwin that year where he kind of blew up and uh, you know, outperformed. And I think he was the second wide receiver, one or two in the league, depending on your settings. I think we had a couple bonuses for you know, if you get like 100 yards a game, you know, an extra point, kind of like DraftKings does. And, uh, but he, he crushed it in our league. I had drafted him, I think, in the sixth round or fifth round. Uh, and so I, going back, I had always kind of been able to d- do that. I did Juju the year before when he had broken out. And so I really had started honing in on that undervalued wide receiver that you had mentioned kind of to that 1A or 1B to a, to a 1A. And, and we looked at it, and, and my friend Mike Collins, who uh, is the guest, not guest, he's the, the co-host with uh, myself over at the Fantasy Millionaires podcast. Uh, we do that podcast every Monday night, and uh, we, we talk fantasy football uh, for about an hour, hour and a half. We love it. It's just something we do every week. And uh, he, he was on that tip, too. We were just kind of talking back and forth. And he said, you know what? You've been able to, to look at these offenses. What, what is the key thing that stands out? And so what I noticed was younger wide receivers that were coming in to older veteran wide receivers, uh, that kind of passing of the torch. And it's been happening sooner and sooner uh, when it comes to rookies. Rookies normally didn't break out uh, in, in their first year. This is kind of a newer thing in the NFL. You've had maybe one or two do it, but not a crop like we had last year, which was just you know outstanding. I loved it. You had pro-ready receivers coming into to pro-ready offenses, you know, most of them. Uh, and maybe when when uh, you know Andy Dalton was under center, the Cowboys weren't really pro-ready. You know, no offense to, you know, the cow- Cowboys, but uh, yeah, we'll see what happens this year with the Bears. Hopefully he's not on the field that much for their sake. But uh, you, you had this transition. And so that was one thing I noticed. Uh, and I'm not sure what your research has shown is you've charted these rookies coming in, but they seem more pro-ready just from my, you know, my eye without going into the in-depth analysis that you've done. I think the bigger thing is not necessarily that they're coming in pro-ready. It's more that NFL teams are more willing to meet them halfway, right? Like I almost think in a way college is like five years ahead of the NFL. So like what was going on in college football five years ago is now kind of the norm with NFL teams. This is just my personal theory on it. Like I think that coaches are more willing to be flexible for their young wide receivers. I also think offenses are just better about getting guys in space. You know, think of a player like Debo Samuels, a good example of a guy that had he come into the league like 10 years ago, what the hell would a coach have done with Debo Samuel, right? Like, I think there would have been some confusion there, but now gets with a guy like Kyle Shanahan. He puts him in this very specialized role. Cooper cups, another example, like gets with the right coach, that type of stuff. So I almost think, Really, it's the teams and the NFL as a whole, like offensive football right now, is just more conducive to getting these guys on the field in ways that make more sense, too. So either way, it doesn't matter, like chicken or egg. It doesn't matter. But it's just the reality that like these guys are much more ready to contribute right away. Yeah, well, that I like that. That even kind of gives me, you know, thinking back to it where it all comes from, it, it is that chasing that cycle of what's effective. And it does change in the NFL. There's, there's that mimicry back and forth. Uh, another thing I noticed too, is that there's multiple offenses that were producing top two, top 20, two, top 25 or two wide receiver, you know, one and twos regularly, you know, the Falcons were doing it. The Cowboys were doing it. The, the Buccaneers were doing it. There was just a number of them. The Rams were doing it. And so it wasn't unheard of. And so when you see one wide receiver go, let's say, you know, uh, last year, we have, you know, Bobby Trees, Robert Woods. People are like, oh, well, a Cooper Cup fade him. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be all Robert Woods. Yeah. 
at times it was, and he was the, the better one to have because, you know, you're going to have to pick the right one. Um, but he still, you know, had value. And then this year, Cooper Cup, I think he's undervalued. So I think he'll have, uh, you know, more value this year than he did last year. And so it's just, it's how the cycle goes. And uh, we kind of honed in on it. And then I dove deeper. And then looking at last year, I used uh, John Daigle's research over at then Roto World, now, you know, the NBC, The Edge. I think they're supposed to say The Edge each time to be edgy. I don't know. That's what Daddy <laughs> told me when we were golfing, but uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but I used vacated targets. I know people go, you just can't slap vacated targets on sure, to an yeah. offense and go, and you can't. But it, you, you look at Justin Jefferson and Diggs, uh, you know, there was reports in training camp last year that Justin Jefferson was struggling, wasn't getting the routes, was dropping balls. You saw footage of it. You could see it. And then he didn't come out of the gates crushing it immediately in preseason and, and looked like this was uh, uh, not going to be a one-for-one with Diggs at all. If anything, he might not even get on the field as much. And so uh, to see him then go and do what he did, it's not remarkable, but you could see that there was an opening. And so whenever you see opportunity, you have to think maybe within that offensive structure, who's going to get those targets. Uh, Irv Smith did not get uh, a bunch of them. He could have gotten more. Uh, Kyle Rudolph was still there. He got a couple, but really it was Justin Jefferson's to lose and he didn't lose them. He got them all. Uh, And so that doesn't happen with every offense, but you, you know, certain offenses are going to do that. What baffles me is like the, the Henry rug situation where you get, you have to guy number one, and then you don't know how to put him into an offensive scheme. That's effective. That gets him in space. You try to make him do 50, 50 balls with bigger safeties over the top. It doesn't make any sense. I, I, I'm just a fan, but that kind of stuff drives me crazy. Yeah, I totally get it. Um, I love the way you think about it. Just think there's room for two guys to be, you know, top 24 players of the position or top 30 players of the position, because this is the way a lot of passing offenses uh, go. I mean, I always tell people to like actively, and it's funny you bring up the Vikings. Cause like, they're like a lock to be one of these teams this year, like a, a, a two wide receiver, wide receiver funnel offense. Like I always equate it back to the old days when um, this feels like a thousand years ago, but it really wasn't that long ago. That one year when the jets had Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall just eat up like 45 to 50% of the targets, uh, like just those two guys together. I love chasing those type of offenses. You know, the Seahawks this year, I think are that type of offense. The Vikings this year are definitely that type of offense. They just wrapped up their fantasy preview. It's crazy to think like Justin Jefferson wasn't going to be that guy because he was so pro ready, right? Like that was what was like training. Camp- I mean, I almost think sometimes like Mike Zimmer is just like um, just hard, being like a hard, hard ass. ass. Yeah. yeah, just being a hard ass. Yeah, he's just being a hard ass. Like doing the same thing this year too with like Irv Smith. He's like, oh, Irv Smith's not going to take over for Kyle Rudolph. Like maybe, yeah, he's just, I don't know, likes Tyler Conklin or whatever. Who knows? Maybe Irv Smith isn't going to be a doesn't thing. Like but winning, like, doesn't like skill, talent, touchdowns or whatever. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, he's too worried about like trying to make his defense not be stone worse like it was last year. So uh, there is there is that. But no, I love I love trying to find those wide receivers where the targets are all concentrated like that. That makes that makes a ton of sense to me. So obviously, I think your theory is right on the money. I think that uh, the listeners will appreciate that. But most of all, people want to know players like so. Based on this research, I don't know how much you've dove into 2021 yet when you're looking to kind of unveil all the findings for coming into this year. But are there any wide receivers based on the work you did last year that like you have kind of an early feeling you might be ahead of the market on? Maybe we're going to talk about some of them in the overrated, underrated segment later, but why not give a little spoiler now? Yeah, you know, and I think that um, wide receiver two theory is also open to looking at wide receiver threes in offenses, too. So I don't want to make it sound like it's um, just, you know, 
pigeonholed. What it really is, it's looking for value. It's looking for somebody in offense who can outperform their ADP and, and give you, you know, an edge. Because that's what you're looking for. You're looking for these little edges. Last year, I, I drafted CeeDee Lamb, Deontay Johnson in the, the eighth and ninth rounds. Uh, and where people were, were not looking to kind of spend on rookie wide receivers and second year wide receivers who kind of didn't perform great. Last, you know, the, the first year, even though if you look at, you know, Deontay Johnson's numbers, I think he was like the ninth uh, most effective wide receiver in his rookie year. But that was just kind of lost in the shuffle of all the terrible quarterbacks yeah. he had, you know, but he, he was outstanding. So, you know, it, it's it's kind of seeing where where offenses are headed and where things are going. And so, you know, this year, I really like Michael Gallup at his ADP. Yeah. And he just, he's so far down that even if he performs a little bit better than last year he's going to outperform his adp he's going to be in that wide receiver three wide receiver four conversation every single week uh with wide receiver two upside so you know he's somebody who i like uh, he's not going to win you your league probably if you get michael gallup but uh i do like him uh he, here's something uh, you know i didn't i didn't talk about uh in these guys later we're going to kind of not diss guys but kind of undercut to me pause pause real quick scott making changes to my all underrated team right now because i had michael gallup as one of my two receivers that i wanted to talk about uh i love michael gallup i want to just like completely co-sign that yeah. take there he's just so he's so undervalued compared to those other two receivers and i think a lot of that is because like Dak Prescott was popping off and CD Lamb and Amari Cooper were popping off at the beginning of the year before Dak got hurt. And Gallup has, was the one who was like a little inconsistent production wise. And as you mentioned, that's probably going to be the same thing this year. But the guy is, I think, legitimately just as talented as those two players. I mean, maybe CD Lamb, I think, could take yet another leap. But I think the gap between Cooper and Gallup is not as big as the ADP would suggest. I think that Gallup is a really good player. Like he is somebody. Where he's going right now, every time he's there, I'm smashing like draft. I'm, I want to take him at that point because I think he's that good of a player and he has a great role. And I hope that Mike McCarthy is true to his word. I'm not going to live and die on this, that he's going to move these guys around and be more creative. I mean, look, like trying to project Mike McCarthy offensive creativity, uh, not great. But at the same time, if he's saying it, I hope he at least means it. Right. Well, I mean, listen, what was so earnest about him is you watch those videos with him and his his old men in the lab and, and you know, in, in like the garage they had there and they were like looking at analytics like, listen, hire some 22 year olds, you know, really hire like Sal Betri, you know, hire Matt Harmon. Get those guys <laughs> looking at like real analytics. They can help you. There can be some yeah. insight and, instead of just being like, I see that. Yep, that's a let's sign another guard. We're going to need another guard, you know? <laughs> so I love his, his earnestness that he tries. I don't know how effective he's going to be, but I do know that the talent is there and, and the red rifle cannot get the ball to the outside. Like that's, that's the king. And, and that is where Gallup lives and dies. You're not going to, you know, on a one V one on a 20 yard out or, you know, like a, a post, you're not going to stop him. If he's got that corner, if he's got you over the top, he's just a stronger, bigger guy. I, I love him. So, um, that's good that you're co-signing that. Don't tell anybody else this. I'm not going to let any of my friends listen to this podcast now because I want him in every league, you know? So <laughs> yeah, keep that one, keep that one off the golf course. Keep Pardon. that one off the golf course. I, I, I'm okay with that. Are there any other guys you'd want to drop here before we move on? Uh, you know, it, this is, this is one guy who, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm seeing him in different places, but I've seen Jamar chase going, uh, before T Higgins. I love T Higgins. Mm. Uh, I understand the connection that Burrow has, uh, but if, if T Higgins slides in your draft, he's somebody who uh, I really want to uh, be in the T Higgins business. Last year, 
I did not expect him to be so solid in the red zone. That I just my when 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 passes were getting thrown to him, I actually thought it was AJ Green when he would catch a touchdown. I go, oh, AJ, yeah. no, no, it's T. So I I really do think that he's somebody who uh, he could not be as valued. You know, Burrow's coming off the injury. That whole offense, people might be a little skeptical, especially in home leagues. People are drinking. Yeah. You know, so I I love him as somebody you can kind of creep on if the, if the now recency effect on on Jamar Chase, who's a brilliant wide receiver. I'm sure your you know, reception perception does not show him as, as sucking, but just kind of the, the here and now he's being so overvalued, I think, in this little kind of, uh, you know, the right right next to each other. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, let me tell you what, I like T. Higgins a lot, too. I think he is like the consummate, excellent number two receiver, um, perfect fit where he is right now across from Jamar Chase. I think actually think having Jamar Chase there could really unlock the overall offensive efficiency of this team. Because last year you mentioned AJ Green, like they were so, they obviously needed some offensive tackle help. They were they were very problematic on the offensive line, no question about it. But one of the areas that was so clear they were struggling with was the vertical passing game. I think some of that is Joe Burrow. I think some of that is just he's not the the best deep ball passer in the NFL. But last year he was statistically like the worst in the NFL on twenty plus yard throws because he's thrown to AJ green. I actually think Jamar chase will unlock that part of the offense. Um, I think that's going to be huge for a guy like T Higgins who gets to stay in a more comfortable role. And, and I think T Higgins was much better as a vertical separator than I thought he was going to be coming to the NFL. Like some of these sharper drafts, as you mentioned, like T Higgins is, is still a top 24 wide receiver. He's still going there, but like at the same time, in some of these drafts where people um, are just, and there's, much more of these than there are the sharper drafts. There's much more drafts where folks are going to tune back into fantasy football in August and be like, oh, the Bengals drafted receiver fifth overall. Well, that's the guy. And like, I don't care about T Higgins or Tyler Boyd and Higgins could become a big value in that way. So I think he fits in based on your criteria for, for your theory. I think he fits in perfectly there. And here's the thing too, that's tricky is that you and I probably most of the drafts that we do, the best ball stuff we do, it's, it's with sharps or people who are in the industry or people who, you know, you, you have guys that either you're touting or that you're on, you know, like I love Elijah Moore. I know you do too. And so I get them, I go get them, you know? And so, uh, it, there's there's that where in your home leagues I almost it's like the like the beer goggles like you not that you can't get guys but you know everybody is not as sharp in your home league which I love and and, and they go for their guys like eh, I'm Baltimore guy gotta get Dobbins in the second and you're like oh yep, my yep. gosh you know okay God bless you I'm a, we'll talk about him later by the way that's the foreshadowing <laughs> but but anyway uh, you know so I, I I like these guys uh, but when you can get them in a sharp draft too that makes me feel even better you know so. Exactly. Yeah. No, I love that. And and we're all we, this is a all accepting podcast here. We are accepting oh, folks. If you are in the sharp leagues, good for you. Don't be degrading to folks that are just tuning into fantasy football in August. And be like, what? There's a league where you can get Elijah Moore in the 15th round. Uh, yes, there is. Because normal far. people, normal people and Scott, you and I are not normal people. No, probably upset. if you're listening to this podcast <laughs> right now, you're probably not a normal person. Shout out to you, but you're not a normal person either. Okay. Most normal person. people. Yeah, you're, you're the best. We love you. But most normal people um, have lives and like they, uh, they do other things from, um, you know, let's just say February to freaking July. Uh, but us here, we're talking about fantasy football. We're talking about Elijah Moore. And let's t- continue the talk on uh, fantasy football. And let's actually go. Maybe let's take a little bit of a shot, but like this is going to be one of the, what do they call it? Like friendly fire here, too, or, or like a self inflicted wound here because I'm bucketing myself uh, in this group that I'm about to talk out. So, Scott, the other day I saw a tweet um, on a player, you know, the classic like 
X player just isn't getting enough love right now, which made me think two things. One, um, I'm on a beach right now. I should probably get off Twitter or maybe just delete Twitter in general. The second, <laughs> but I can't do that because like, it, you know, jobs and marketing and all that stuff, it, it is what it is. But my second thought was, I bet you could scroll through fantasy Twitter, all of us freak shows that are thinking about Twitter from, you know, or think about fantasy Twitter and fantasy football from February to July. You could probably scroll through fantasy Twitter and find a X player just isn't getting enough love right now tweet for legitimately every player in the NFL. Like that's just, that is the, the what has to happen during this point. And I grouped myself in that because um, I put a tweet out about Michael Pittman that says, I just don't think enough people literally after I had this thought, like three days later, I, I put out a tweet. It's like, man, Michael Pittman just not get enough love as a breakout player this year. And I'm like, man, I just said this. So in that spirit, Scott, we're going to lean into um, the parody here uh, that I'm talking about. And you and I are going to do, we're actually going to try to balance this equation out. We're going to do an all underrated team and an all overrated team. Perfect, perfect. I picked one quarterback, one tight end, two running backs, two wide receivers for each team. I don't know how many you did, but we'll 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 yep. emphasize yours over mine. Um, so do you want to? I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the reins over to you here. Okay. Uh, do you so, want to go? Do you want to go all underrated and then all overrated, or do you want to go position by position and like give it some balance? Let's give it balance. I like that idea because okay, then it's not all just negative, which that's not yeah. negative, but it's and I think that everybody needs to see this in light of of ADP. And so you know, I've got the Yahoo ADP pulled up here, which I'm I'm looking at, and so uh, it might be a little different here and there. Yeah, I know that you know, fancy pros and and both for four kind of groups all of them together, yeah. but whatever. I'm I'm using Yahoo. So, uh, well, what a co- you're, you're a better company man than me. <laughs> well, you know, I, I do have everything up as a, as a, like an enthusiast, many streams lead to the river of knowledge. You have to just take in everybody's, you know, so that's what I try to do. And, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll go from here. Uh, we can do negative, positive, kind of undervalued, overvalued. Yeah. And, uh, and so I'll start a quarterback and this is somebody who, you know, I don't think that they're grossly, uh, being overvalued, uh, but. You know, Jalen Hurts is the the ninth ranked quarterback right now in Yahoo, and that's that's uh, kind of across the board too, ninth or tenth in the yep. industry. And I understand where we're looking for this next dual threat, being able to run, being able to get outside the pocket, uh, and I, that that is a, a a very the hybrid quarterback is in. You got to have one. You got to have one. And so I think that's driving this market up on Jalen Hurts. But uh, I know he's had accuracy issues. I love Devonta Smith being there. He, Devonta Smith is just going to you know make that offense a lot better. But I still am concerned about uh, what it's going to be like for him game to game and consistency. I think it's going to be an issue. I think he'll have games where he does get you two touchdowns, maybe a rushing, a passing. But then he might have games where he gets you a pick six. And he might get you two turnovers. And so I- I'm not ready to say that that's somebody who I can trust right now as my QB1. If he slips in the draft, I'll take him. I'll take him QB2 as my second if I can double up if I see value. But I'm not going to put him as a QB1 and then just roll through my draft and not pick up somebody later who has mega upside as a QB too. I can't do that. I think I really agree with that. And, you know, the, the tough part of it, Scott, is that if he plays these, now we have to say 17 games. I'm still trying to get used to it. If he starts and plays 17 games for the Eagles and he maintains his rushing ability, it's going to be really hard for him to fall outside of the top 12 quarterbacks, right? Like that's just the way fantasy scoring is with the bonus that rushing provides you at the position However, that's already priced in, you know, like when when we were looking at Kyler Murray as a rookie or Lamar Jackson as a rookie, 
those guys weren't going quarterback seven or quarterback eight or whatever. You know, they were going much later than that. And then they had, I mean, they started to creep up there a little bit, but at the same time, there was so much value there. You're not really getting that value with Jalen Hurts. You're, you're buying in at the, because I don't think he has a ceiling any higher than quarterback eight because he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Kyler Murray. He's not probably not those players. I like Jalen Hurts, but he's probably not those guys. Nope. Nope. Not Dak Prescott. Not going to be Justin Herbert, you know, Russell Wilson. So, well, and I, I understand that rushing is just a huge, you know, upside. It gives you a floor that's going to be, you know, I love that. But yeah, if you're going to get him at QB eight or nine, then he has to do that every week. He, he can't fumble. Yeah. He can't get dinged up. You know, you're, you're paying at that maximum price. And so that's what it's about. It's not that I don't like him. I think he's, he can be a top 12 quarterback this year, but if you get him at nine and he's 12 or 13, well, then you overpaid. And that's what you don't, you're trying to not do that. That's what, you know, for me, it's not all about value, but really whatever position you're hunting, you want to get the maximum value out of it. And, you know, chasing Jalen hurts in the seventh round, whatever, like that doesn't make sense to me, you know? No. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. I think I want to play Jalen hurt. He, this is one of these guys. I want to play Jalen hurts a lot in DFS. I want to have him there, but I probably don't want to pay the iron price uh, to get him on my redraft teams. That's about where I'm at with him. Now it's funny. Speaking of, you know, rushing quarterbacks my quarterback that's on my all overrated team is a guy that I'm a little worried about his rushing ability and it's we talked about him earlier Joe Burrow I think they're going to take it easy on Joe Burrow as a rusher this is just my guess after he's coming off an injury there's also been some whispers you know that he's even said like I might not be so happy to take off running he is a top 10 quarterback in some ADP right now. You know, he is going in the top 100 picks in some ADP right now. That seems aggressive. And it, but it, here, here's the thing though. I don't, I'm not down on Joe Burrow. And I'm actually really excited about the Cincinnati Bengals offense. Like, like Jamar Chase. We just talked about T. Higgins. I'm excited about him. I think Tyler Boyd is going at a good place, too. I think the fact that we talked about this on an episode with Anthony Amico not long ago, like the Bengals seem like a great offense to stack in best ball. Burrow's the one that I'm like, I don't know that I want to take Burrow at QB 9 or 10 when you've got Tom Brady, Ryan Tannehill, Matthew Stafford. I mean, I know the thing with Aaron Rodgers is like, whatever. Like, But you know, you've got other guys going after him that I don't think there's a big separation to the point that I want to take Joe Burrow there. So I actually don't have a lot of questions about Burrow. I just have questions like where he's going and if, if it makes sense from a draft construction phase, which is why I've almost kind of started to, as much as I wanted to do that Bengals stack, I've sort of started to back away from it just because there's so many more quarterbacks that if Burrow is not going to have rushing upside, he has to be like an unbelievable passer to be a top 10 player. Like Tom Brady last year was QB eight. He has no rushing upside, but he also led the NFL in touchdowns. Like is Joe Burrow going to do that in year two? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, Maybe, maybe, but they don't involve the running back enough with the ball, with, with the pass. Like that's the thing. If you yeah. want to make it so that Joe Burrow never gets hit, then you got to just throw the ball to Joe Mixon 110 times. I mean, just, you know, if you're going to play, if you're going to, if you're going to, I know his pace of play, uh, they want to go fast. They, they, I know their upper half, you know, uh, know, maybe upper, you know, five teams, six teams last year in pace of play. So if you're, if, if Zach Taylor's going to go fast, 
then just throw the football. That that goes fast. D- dump it off to Joe Mixon a hundred yeah. <laughs> times, and that'll make everybody happy. I'm not going to talk about Joe Mixon because I feel like everyone's talked about Joe Mixon and either yeah. like you're like ride or die with Joe Mixon. And so yeah. I don't want to ride or die today. Like you said, it's a fun. It's a. It's. I just went to the pool. It's my wife's birthday. We're chilling. Oh, shout out to you. What do you? Oh. What do you? You're at the. You're at the pool. You should have stayed at the oh. pool. You should have told me. Oh. Forget it. Forget oh, it. I'm oh, not doing oh, a oh, podcast. Oh. No, so here's the thing. I, my wife, a, amazing woman, she's got dates for days lined up. She went out to lunch with her parents. She's going out for uh, drinks right now with one of her friends. And then she's going to go out again later tonight. So I'm just with the girls. They're enjoying the dog. They're upstairs doing whatever. I said, dad's going to go downstairs and podcast. And they said, great, we got the dog. We'll be good. And I said, okay. So it, we were at the pool with my daughters, London and Adelaide. Uh, shout out those ladies. They're, they're my favorites. And, and my wife, Rose, is 30-something today, she shared. <laughs> And uh, she said she was going to be 30 forever and just tell people she's 30. But now I'm 42 and I'm getting, it's getting creepier. So I'm just like, she uh, is yeah, younger yeah, yeah. than me, but she's not 30 anymore. So you've got it. She's got to progress with you a little bit here. Right, otherwise, it doesn't bit, become Right. Me. Of course. Yeah. And by yeah. the way, I got to tell you, uh, you know, congratulations to you, my friend. You know, I, I follow you. you on social media, on Instagram, as well as Twitter. But Instagram, you know, I that that's one of my favorite places to kind of see, uh, you know, family stuff. And, and I put my family out there. And it's great to see your family. And uh, yeah, I'm really Appreciate excited it. for you, man. Just so Thank you. Nice. Yeah, I am also turning uh, third T, not th- 30-something. I'm literally <laughs> turning 30, like, next month. So, yeah, that's it's awesome. a good time to be alive, Scott. It's good, good time to be us. So with that positive vibes we're carrying here, let's talk about our under underrated quarterbacks i'll jump off i'll start this one um the sign behind me uh because i'm lazy i haven't changed it uh like since the signing happened but i'm still gassed up about ryan fitzpatrick curtis samuel and that washington offense fitzpatrick's like qb20 and like he could easily like he could easily be a 13 14 ish quarterback i have basically structured every draft plan um recently around making sure that I get Ryan Fitzpatrick also because I love the pass catchers. I think they're very easy to stack. You know, Curtis Samuel has even gone down in ADP since the signing happened, which I just think is mostly people are excited about other players, the position, but I love Fitzpatrick. I feel like I've been singing the same tune. Like I said, since the signing happened, the take is not lazy. Even if the sign making here uh, is, I think that's a great take, by the way. Uh, I know I, I live here in the Washington, D.C. area, and I listen to the local sports uh, station. You know, there's a shout out the Sports Junkies, one of my favorite. Uh, there's a group of four guys who just started talking sports 30 years ago, and they've, they've been on the radio ever since. And uh, so they're, I got one of them in one of my fantasy leagues. They're awesome guys. They're worried about Ryan Fitzpatrick imploding in the fourth quarter they're just talking about on on you know on our radios down here is that he's gonna throw the the the, the pickle that's gonna lose him the game uh and uh and and his variance and there's worry what what i've seen when he's been able to play and the offense goes this is our guy and he's not going to be in and out and the quarterback's changing i think he can be consistent and i think in ron revere's offense you know riverboat ron is not as riverboaty as we think he is guys you know yeah, like it's true that he, he shed that title i think he's more conservative now i think that's going to be very helpful for ryan fitzpatrick so i love that uh and also if ryan fitzpatrick hears that i'm trying to get an interview as trying to be ryan fitzpatrick to ryan fitzpatrick <laughs> So please shout out if that's ever possible. I love I love that take, uh, Matt. Uh, that's just a great one. Well, yeah, I, I'll tell you I'll tell you a story off air about how I'm like 95 percent sure I got Fitzpatrick a sponsorship with uh, one of my favorite clothing companies. So um, I'll tell you that story off air. There. So maybe awesome. I'll help you. I'll try to help you out there as well. But uh, all cool. right, like give me your give me your undervalued quarterback. 
Yeah. And so for me, you talked about him a little bit before, uh, you know, I just mentioned him in your list, Matthew Stafford, uh, you know, down the list yeah. for me, I, I, I just, he is such a huge upgrade to, to Jared Goff. And uh, I know their, their offensive line had struggled the last couple of years. Goff looked like a man, you know, helter skelter every week, but you know, we've seen Matthew Stafford be able to survive that. Like he thrives in that. You, you see him just get knocked out of game, separated shoulder goes back in. Not that that's going to happen now, but you know, I, I feel like the, their line is getting upgraded. I think they're going to be more effective in keeping Matthew Stafford safer than Jared Goff was. And so uh, I love that offense. And with McVay, he's such a brilliant mind to have somebody of, of Goff, you know, of Goff to Stafford that change. I think it's going to just unlock that offense and take it to another level. Uh, I'm also not a believer though, uh, in, in it's going to make Cam Akers Todd Gurley. So I don't, I don't want to, you know, <laughs> go that go that far, but I do think it's going to, it's going to make Cam Akers a little bit better as well than it would have been with golf. Yeah, I'm with you on Matt Stafford. We talked about him a, a few episodes ago as well. So he's a big guy that um, I, I love that. Let's uh, let's give let's do kind of with these next two positions, running back and wide receiver. Let's go two at a time. Let's uh, and and you can pick when I throw two out. You pick the more, most interesting one uh, that you like. And same same with you. So let's yeah. stay on good vibes, and then we'll go back to negative. My two underrated running backs are Damian Harris and David Montgomery. And I never thought I would be a David Montgomery guy, Scott. But like, yeah. All the risk that he's going to regress from last year, which we know is going to happen because he's not going to face like the Lions, the Jaguars and the Vikings defense. Like, you know, I mean, he's in division with those teams, but like it's not going to be the same cakewalk. That's already priced in, right? Like RB20 right now ish in ADP. He's a guy that when he slips to that fourth round, I keep drafting because I know Tariq Cohen is back. I know that's going to eat into some pass game work, but I'm not. I think, again, some of that is baked into where he's going in drafts right now to the point that when I need an RB2, I really like taking him there. Yeah, and he was he finished RB4 last year. So to go from 4 to 20, you know, I mean, that's that's a lot of disrespect, honestly. Yeah, and well, it's I mean, that's my best my point, right? It's like people are going to be like, they're going to start off their analysis with like, well, you have to fade David Montgomery because he's not going to be RB4 again. Well, no sh- Thank you. That's right, why he's right. going RB20. <laughs> no, I think that's a really good take right there. And uh, Damian Harris, I, I really like that as well. And people uh, are, are like my friend Bo, our friend Bo, uh, he, mm-hmm. he does not like uh, any Patriot player ever because of Bill Belichick and how fickle he, he is and how – but what Bill Belichick does, he tries to win every game. I love that about Bill. He goes in and goes, this team sucks at this. We're going to hammer this. We're going to na- nail this down. And maybe Damian Harris is going to be the main man to do it every time. Maybe he won't. I think he will be more so than he will not be. And so I love him. If you can get him as your RB3 on your team, like you got probably an RB2 there, uh, you know, secretly yeah. an RB2. I, I, I love that. Uh, and I've been, I've been kind of singing his praises the last two years. Uh, even last year before he came out, I was like, you know, telling people, this is the guy. I, and they're like, no, Sonny Michelle there. I'm like, Sonny Michelle is just, he's just like dead weight. He's just like, Ah, oh, like he yeah. falls down. He's gonna get. I think he's gonna get cut. He's I think he's gonna get cut. They didn't renew his fifth year option, so that you know he's just not doesn't matter. So, I think I think too. There's some hidden upside there if Cam Newton gives way to Mac Jones. There opens up some potential pass catching reps there for Damian Harris and also goal line reps uh, for him as well. Give me your two underrated running backs uh, if you differ. Yeah, I mean, I no, I I, I like yours too. Uh, you know, for me, Kareem Hunt is just. I don't understand. He's going to put him RB 20, 24, like, you know, in that range that, that, that to me, his pass catching upside, he catches touchdowns. When he gets down the goal line, they give him carries, they give him reps. He's got plays for days. I know that last year, 
when when Chubb was hurt, he had more of a, a role. He didn't really kind of seize the day like we kind of thought he could have or should have, and kind of be that same you know rookie uh, guy when he came out in 2017 and just took over. But I, I think that Chubb makes him more effective because it, you have to stop Nick Chubb, and then after that, you're like, damn it, I gotta stop Kareem Hunt. This is not fair. And so I just love him being that far back. And if I can get him in the sixth or seventh round, I mean, I'll do that. Uh, and and back end, you know, get a couple good running backs in the beginning, him a wide receiver, and then get, you know, Kareem Hunt and Damian Harris. I mean, that would just make me really feel good if those are my RB3 and fours. Yeah. I mean, and he also, I still think he has a path to a ceiling too. Like if Chubb gets hurt again and he, he still gets, the volume was still there. Um, I just think, it, you know, Cleveland went through that weird stretch where they played like all those tornado games or whatever and all those rain games. And we'll see. Yeah. Maybe that yeah gets them that more weird. on track. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. That was weird. And my other guys is, is CEH. I think that, you know. Oh, I think, yes. I almost picked yeah. him. Nice. Yeah. He's got so much value. And, you know, last year he had, uh, I think, like 60 targets or so. So, you know, you know 65 targets. He's going to have a lot more targets this year. He's going to probably have 70, 80 targets. So uh, that just, to me, you know, he played 13 games, started 13 games last year. If he, if he goes full 17, that just, he, he has that RB1, back-end RB1 upside, sneaky little upside. And, uh, you know, he's being taken after J.K. Dobbins, which just makes me just like my my mind you know if you're gonna take Dobbins I will let you do that every time and then I will take CEH right after you and I'll feel a lot better just the amount of, of pass catching work he's gonna get it's PPR folks I mean unless you're playing standard God bless you I'm just talking PPR or half point PPR PPR really it's just it's for everybody I just want to tell you everybody you're all you're welcome to everybody good bad is different <laughs> like sharps you know dolls whatever PPR is for everyone we love it yeah, no, I love the CEH take. Like, I think he has a path to the same ceiling we were projecting him for last year, frankly, because they're going to need him. They're going to need him as a pass catcher. Their wide receiver two spot is wide open right now. They're, I guess they're counting on McCall Hardman. We'll see how that goes. Like, obviously, Hill, yeah, it's it's going to – You're this is an audio show, but, like, you're going about uh, what Scott's face was there, which was uh, – we'll see about that. Like, Hill and Kelsey are going to eat up most of the volume, but CEH could easily get – 70 plus targets and like that's going to be a huge boon for where he's going right now i mean i i think the ceiling is not baked into his adp right now um i have a feeling jk dobbins is going to be one of your overrated backs but uh why don't you hit me with one of your overrated okay it was, overrated yeah backs. it was it was jk dobbins that was i mean yeah i was swinging with both sides of the sword on that one because <laughs> to me you know he didn't even get 50 percent of the carries last year and then they went back and signed gus edwards and gus edwards would have walked i would have been all in on it. like it's almost like yeah. people didn't know that they signed gus edwards like they were like yeah jk dobbins he's gonna be the best and then like they put in they baked his you know price right in and then they signed gus edwards and people were like we're just, we're just gonna leave it there we're just gonna we're not gonna yeah. we're not gonna move it much you're like guys you can get gus edwards in the ninth or tenth round to me yeah about the value it's not saying that that Gus Edwards is better than J.K. Dobbins. No. can outperform him, but he's going to outperform the ADP. And so I, I just like taking advantage of people overvaluing uh, players because whenever you overvalue somebody, it makes somebody who I'm valuing that value push to me. And so I'm all for these guys that are like, they're pushers. They're people who are, shouldn't be priced in. Like CEH last year, he got taken in, in the fifth spot in one of my leagues in the first round. I, that pushed somebody good to me. That pushed JT to me. You know, So I love it when people make those mistakes in your league. And I think this, this year he's a pusher. He's somebody who pushes value to you uh, and hopefully he pushes CEH to me if I'm in that spot. I think that makes a ton of sense. Uh, I agree with you. It's like the guy they put in Mark Ingram's role last year, once they like removed Mark Ingram from the equation was Gus Edwards. And despite the fact they let Mark Ingram go, 
the actual quote Mark Ingram role is still there with Gus Edwards, you know, whatever. Like I like Gus Edwards where he's going. Do you have any other backs uh, that you are out on at ADP? Uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's hard to, to, you know, I'm not trying to, to swing at different backs, but JT uh, being at number six to me, yeah, it, it's, tough. Not, it's tough. It's tough. I can't, that's like his absolute complete ceiling. I, you know, I'm doing an article right now for one of the you know, people I write for, and I had to pick an overrated, overrated player for every single NFL team. And, and JT is what I'm picking for the, the Colts just because he has to, I mean, he, he scored 25 points per game or 24 point, you know, something points per game. The last six games this season from week 11 to 17, he was great. And that top RB, uh, you know, one of the top performers, him and Derek Henry were crushing it, Alvin Kamara, but he's not going to be able to sustain that in that offense. It's not going to look like that every week. And he was not getting 70%, 80%. Uh, and, and you see that building to the end. Week 17 doesn't matter the same as it does for other weeks. It's just a different type of vibe. And so I, I'm not buying into him being uh, 25 points per game. That's wild. That's a huge, that's Zeke Elliott in his you know, prime yeah. right there. That's not going to happen, uh, I don't think, every week. It's, it's a ceiling, but it's not a floor that I can trust at number six. Yeah, we we bang on David Montgomery for his uh, schedule that he ran against last year. And like, I mean, Jonathan Taylor's a better player and in a better offensive ecosystem, I guess. I mean, Carson Wentz is probably not good, but whatever. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I, I do think, though, that, um, you know, that some of that schedule uh, inflation was there. But I mean, I like the I like the player, but I agree with you. He's he's very aggressively priced right now. I like uh, I kind of like Cam Akers better than Jonathan Taylor this year, to be honest, but that's just me. Um, all right, let's swing back positive here. Let's talk receiver. Oh, I, my two running backs that are overrated. I feel like I've talked about him a hundred times. We don't need to expand on them here. DeAndre Swift. I've, I've, I feel like I've sung. That's not a unique take. Scott's giving me the thumbs up on the other end. So I know it's not a unique take and Miles Sanders too. Similar to the questions you have about Jalen hurts. Like, I just don't know that the Eagles offense is going to be very good. Right. Yeah. Like it, it, so I, I don't know. Sanders is a guy that I find myself clicking other people um, ahead of him. David Montgomery going after Miles Sanders would rather have David Montgomery. I think I'd rather have Josh Jacobs as gross as that is. So I don't know. I'm just not th- I'm not there with Sanders this year. Um, but let's swing back positive. Uh, let's go with your two underrated receivers. You know, I think the volatility in New Orleans is, you know, and what Michael Thomas did last year pushed his value down. So I don't think it's yes. unique to Agreed. say Thomas, but. You know, I'm in some of these best ball drafts and, and other drafts where he's getting pushed into the third round. And, uh, you know, I, I like Terry McLaurin. I, I, it might sometimes might come down to Terry McLaurin or Michael Thomas. And I mean, I know you love Terry McLaurin too, uh, but I, that makes sense. But that not, it doesn't always make sense for like AJ Brown. Like I love AJ Brown, but you also have Derrick Henry there who's, you know, going to get a million carries. He had 378 last year. And, and then you also have Julio Jones. And so there, there's going to be a super funnel there too as well. But, you know, I think, I think at the end of the day, Michael Thomas going, you know, six picks later than AJ Brown is crazy, you know? And so, uh, in, in Scott Fish, uh, I took, uh, Michael Thomas instead of AJ Brown. Uh, the first downs matter and Michael Thomas is still going to be the number one. There's nobody else there to, 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 to challenge him at all, whether it's Taysom Hill or Jameis. And I think Jameis is going to be able to, if he's there, get the ball further downfield than Drew Brees could. He's not looking over the offensive line like this and shuttlecocking it anymore. So um, <laughs> I just think that bodes better for Michael Thomas. If you can get him as your wide receiver two in your, you know, you go running back, wide receiver, wide receiver. That's ridiculous. I love that call. Uh, I love the Michael Thomas call there. Um, I'm going to stay on the Michael trajectory here. My underrated receiver this year is Michael Pittman. 
I talked about him as my guy, the guy that spawned this whole thought for me here. I was like, you know, it's just not getting enough love right now. Michael Pittman (laughs) out there, but how is Michael Pittman not going to get 110 targets this year? Like, how is that not going to happen? I mean, I know that like, that's, I feel like the minimum, right? And I think he's good. Like, I think he's a baller. I think he uh, did not get enough credit for how good of a rookie season he had. He really adjusted his game to mold with Philip Rivers to the point that he was running all these crossing routes and stuff like that. Um, That's not who he is. I think Carson Wentz, the area of the field that he wants to rifle the ball down the field and into tight coverage, that fits much better with Michael Pittman. I I just think at this point, like he's going outside the top 40 receivers. I think he could, there's a scenario, like if he just has this big breakout, and I think the Colts are kind of counting on him to have that big breakout because they didn't make any moves at the wide receiver position besides bringing back T.Y. Hilton, who I think is a role player at this point. I think he is like a guy to earmark in every draft at this point uh, and be like, I need to make sure that I monitor he's going at a good place because I want to take him there. Yeah, I'm going to co-sign that one because he's not the wide receiver two in his offense. He's going to be the wide receiver one in his offense, but he is like a wide receiver two candidate. He's just not like, like the first 40 wide receivers. Like that means you might have picked Antonio Brown before you picked him, which is the third wide receiver yeah. in the Bucks, which which I love Antonio which Brown. Which I get, but, right. We get yeah, it. I get it. We get it. But still, that that just becomes uh, you know a positional oversight i noticed that in a lot of leagues as well that i've drafted is because people don't know carson Wentz is coming off the season he had too uh even if carson Wentz sucks if he gets 110 targets and he converts 70 of them i mean that's going to be over a thousand yards you know what i'm saying he's yep. not going to get 890 yards it's not he's going to average at least 13 14 yards a catch reception especially with carson Wentz, who does have a cannon so like you said i mean that that's i think it's going to make him better i, I like that a lot yeah, I think Pittman's just underrated as a pure player. All right, give me I'll give you my overrated then you give me your overrated receivers. My I'm going to group mine here together cuz and I act, here's the deal. I mean, this is sort of like a cop out take here. One of Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton is overrated this year. I yeah. can't pick which one. <laughs> yeah, right. I can't pick which one I think is also by the way, Noah Fant like I'm he's like you kind of group him in on this too cuz he's like tight end 9. Yeah. How is a Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater offense going to support two top 35 receivers and a top 10 tight end? And also, by the way, people are kind of already buying in on the Javante Williams season, too. I don't know. Like, part of me thinks that the big the big um, difference here is is who who gets the third receiver job because, like, K.J. Hamler's a slot guy. Tim Patrick is an outside guy. That's going to really dictate where – I think where these guys line up, it's it's a tough receiver core to figure out right now. One of these guys is overrated, Scott. Can you give me any inkling as to which one you think it might be? You know, I went back and forth uh, thinking about choosing one of them too, and I couldn't. And so I uh, I was like, I'll pick something easier. But I will I will climb the mountain with you here. I, I don't know. Uh, it's been a year plus. You know, maybe I don't know how long it's going to be since Cortland Sutton's been on the field. And I don't know if he can do what he did before. We need to see it, you know? And so Jerry Judy, I think to me, since they're both right there, I think he has more talent. I don't know if Drew Locke can get him the ball effectively. Uh, and, I mean, we know his route running is ridiculous. He he also needs, you know, Jerry Judy also needs to not drop the ball six times like he did in that one game. Yeah. Oh, you know, man, I, man, I, and listen, I, we, don't play, we don't count drops. I mean, that's something we're not going to always do. But that kind of stuff with a quarterback, 
makes people not want to throw you the football. And that's just like an, it's, a, it's an instinct as a quarterback to be like, ah, so he's got to get that pass. But I really do think that Jerry Judy has more talent than Cortland Sutton. And so that that's kind of where I'm chasing. Can they get him the ball and Nick Fangio be effective? I don't know. That's the thing that worries me. I like Bridgewater more than Locke, but when that transition happens or if that transition happens, there's uncertainty. So I think that's where that price, they're kind of both in the same spot. Nobody knows. Uh, so you might have Cortland in the beginning and then Judy at the end. It might kind of go yeah. back and forth. Uh, and maybe if they're both underpriced and you can get them both cheaper because of that, you know, maybe. Uh, but I have a feeling people will kind of go for one or the other. You're either a Judy truther or a Cortland grabber. You know, I just, yeah. like all those takes, like that you said, people are like, there's not enough love for this guy. I just saw a bunch of that with Cortland Sutton. And then I just yeah. saw a bunch of it with Jerry Judy. And so I think really, if you can put anybody's name into fantasy Twitter, it's just going to come up with like every week, there's an article about yep. that player. And then people are exactly. like, we forgot about this guy. Like, really? Are you not paying attention? Like, I don't know if we did forget about him, but. Uh, did we forget about him or are there just too many days in the calendar? Hard right. to say. Are you trying to fill content? Okay, I got it. <laughs> I feel like conventional wisdom would say that, you know, Bridgewater is better for Judy and Locke is better for Sutton, right. but I don't know if I buy into that. So I don't really know. I'm, I'm having a tough time with those guys there. Uh, who is your overrated receiver or receivers? Yeah. So this one was tricky as I was kind of thinking about it and going, just kind of going around. I think that the ADP this year is a little closer to what it should be uh, yeah. for a lot of players than, than what it's been in the past. And so, uh, I'm not going to, you know, kind of crap on anybody's ADP completely. I will say this is that I, I do like Tyreek Hill. I'm not going to say I don't like Tyreek Hill. Uh, I don't like Tyreek Hill in the first round. I, I, that, that to me is a problem because if I'm going to get him, he has to be number one wide receiver to me. And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying he's not going to be. But there's a chance that Stephon Diggs is. There's a chance that DeAndre Hopkins is. DK Metcalf could be. A.J. Brown, Michael Thomas. It's not a sure thing that he's that number one. So if you're going to draft him, you know, seven, eight, right after Kelsey, you're you're. If Kelsey doesn't go, I, I think I like Kelsey more than I like Tyreek Hill uh, this year. Honestly, for me, if I'm going to take one of them, um, so it's just it's his price. He's so expensive being the wide receiver one. Like he only has to fall down, which is kind of not fair to him you know like it's Ricky Bobby if not first you're last you know what I mean like yeah but he does have the best upside every week he's got the best upside as any wide receiver every week but is he going to do that every week I don't know yeah it's I agree with you your point overall about the wide receiver ADP this year I think is pretty sharp like usually there's one guy that I'm like I'm not taking him in any scenario at the in the and there that just doesn't exist this year it is basically just like receiver related to other guys in their team. Same thing with your pick of Tyree kill to Travis Kelsey. I think the only guy that stood out to me was like maybe Mike Evans at Ooh. wide receiver 15. When um, there are other like Chris Godwin is right there. Who's to say Chris Godwin doesn't finish as the number one receiver on this team. Um, Antonio Brown. We obviously know there has to be some like a B discount because he's a B, but like the gap between, where Evans and Godwin are going and where Antonio Brown is going is probably not going to be that big as their like yearly finish, you know? Right. And and do you think that Mike Evans is going to get 13 touchdowns again this year? Like that's a lot of touchdowns to get. And yeah, I mean, I think he's a great red zone target. Obviously, possible, but, but possible, but not guaranteed. And so let's say he gets nine. Well, I mean, you know, you just lost yourself 24 points. So that, that 
could be a difference between wide receiver, you know, 15 and wide receiver 20. So, yeah, I, th- I actually debated that one because um, I actually like Chris Carson uh, or not Chris Carson. Uh, Chris Godwin a lot in the slot. He's just he's bigger. He's so he's big. You know, right? he's just, stunt, how do you yeah. stop that guy in the slot? He, he's ridiculous. Uh, and he was ridiculous with Jameis. You know, so if you can be ridiculous yeah. with Jameis, you'd be ridiculous with Tom, you know. So, yeah, no kidding. All right, let's finish this up with tight end. Um, I already gave my overrated guy, I think, is Noah Fant, um, which is a bummer because I like Noah Fant. Um, although I had another one, but I think we'll just stick with Fant. I don't want to. I don't want to dump on two of these tight ends here. <laughs> my underrated guy is Tyler Higby, though. I like Tyler Higby. I feel like I keep drafting him, like in every single draft, he's appealing to me because I think somebody's gonna like. I I feel like the fact that Gerald Everett is gone is a big deal for them. I think he's going to be the only tight end on the field when they go to eleven personnel, um, and like cup and woods are locked into their role. I'm really interested to see who's going to be the number three receiver there. I think it's probably going to be Van Jefferson, but that's another conversation. Tyler Higby is a guy that I keep drafting. Who are your uh, underrated and overrated tight ends? So I really like Higby by the way. And uh, you know, he, he is uh, after Noah fan. A lot of times you can get him after Noah fan. And I think that's just a steal. So I think that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, you know, mine is Mike Gusecki. Uh I, I know he's a big guy. I know that, that you're uh, overrated. You're yeah, overrated guy. Over- yeah, that oh, yeah. was my that was my yeah. original overrated guy oh, before. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, he's just he's he's too overrated. I cannot you know buy into him getting eighty five targets this year. You know, would you rather throw the ball? Uh, I think he's gonna be more like a Gronkowski, a specialist in the red zone. You know, when you, when you want that, but less of of getting that many targets. Jalen Waddle, Will Fuller, they're gonna eat into it. They just are. They're better receivers than they had last year. Why are you gonna throw the ball to Mike Gesicki when you can throw the ball to Jalen Waddle? Like it doesn't make any sense. Like, okay, no no offense to, to Gusecki. I think he's a good tight end, but those are just superior athletes that you want to get the ball in their hands. So I think he's overrated. And then underrated, Irv Smith, you talked about him earlier, and I do think there is a little bit of that coach speak that says, like, why would you even come out and say that? Why would you even come out and go, hey, hey, by the way, no one asked, like, really exactly for me to state this. I mean, maybe ask what his role is going to be, but not, like, to say it this way. He's just like, no change, none. <laughs> like, what? I mean, I mean Thanks, just- Mike. Yeah, just say stuff like, yeah, man, he's got a great skill set. We'll utilize it to effectively uh, leverage him into wins. Next question. He says, no change. That's a lie. That's like a stupid lie. He couldn't think of anything to say. So he was just like, no, we're not going to change the thing. I think he is going to change the thing because you have a great athlete there. And we saw it in the in the last half of the year. I think he had that game. We got three touchdowns. It was ridiculous. Uh, I think I had him in DFS. And I was just like, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. So I think Irv Smith is going to outperform his ADP if you can get him you know, he's later in, you know, 13 to 18, anywhere, you know, in that range uh, later round. Get him in the 10th round, 11th round. I, I think it's a steal. Hopefully he is the young athletic tight end that actually breaks out this year as opposed to like all the hopes we always have. Fingers crossed, man. I'm with you on that Gusecki thing because the Dolphins offense is just so – it's hard to project right now at this point. Like what are these three receivers going to do? Like how are, how is the distribution there? Parker feels a little underrated, but at the same time it is like Fuller and Waddle as separators much better. So yeah. I think that Dolphins offense is tough. I want to see – how things go in terms of training camp for them. Like what's the reports out of there? I think their use is going to be pretty important. So in that way, I do feel like fading Gasecki is probably the right thing to do. But Scott, you said it all. You've done it all. This uh, has been awesome. We um, propped up some players. We propped up your wide receiver two theory. We also dunked on many players as well. uh, Big time haters. But anyways, Tell the folks about Nimble W Numbers. Uh, tell the folks about what you are working on and where we can keep up with you. 
I appreciate that very much, Matt. And thank you for having me on. This was just like a dream come true. Uh, you know, we had Matt on one of my shows, uh, Chalk Blocked, and I think you also came on uh, the Fancy Football Hot Stove. So I really appreciate all of all of that. And uh, you know, you can find me over at Nimble W Numbers on Twitter and then NimbleWNumbers.com. It's Nimble with Numbers. Twitter just runs out of spaces. I couldn't put with in there. Uh, and then also. Nimble with numbers is technically a, a math product that, that uh, as a teacher, uh, I use to help kids understand numbers. And so just to kind there of a joke, joke one day, I could, yeah, I'm nimble with numbers, but nimble W numbers. Uh, we focus mainly on DFS content, but I will drop articles like wide receiver two theory. I will have that coming out in mid August where you can get that. And uh, it's free. It's just, I want people in the community to kind of build uh, their knowledge. And so I love being able to share my content there. Uh, and then also a charity that I'm kind of working war- for this year uh, is going to be Hope for Henry. Uh, my daughter was diagnosed with leukemia in January, 2020. Thankfully she's doing great. She's doing awesome, but we've been helped by so many different people and we've been able to be loved and cared for. And so one of those uh, groups of people is Hope for Henry. And so we are now ambassadors for them and we're out there. So yeah, so if anybody can go donate to Hope for Henry, what they do is they provide uh, kids with incentives during their treatments to get presents and prizes every time they go to get any type of treatment or jab or stick or anything they have to do, which is tough. You know, you're there with a prize for Hope for Henry, so it's, it's awesome. We benefited, and now as a family, we're just trying to give back to everybody. So uh, you can go check them out. They're kind of uh, somebody that I they're close to my heart. Uh, and then please go check out you know everybody who's doing amazing work. Over at, you know, Reception Perception. I, I hear people <laughs> over there, you know, who are crushing it. I People like Matt Harmon. Who Hard are to awesome. say. I don't know. So, yeah, I, I love the, the work that you do. Uh, and my friends, Jordan and Bo, I mean, we just, we talk about you in DMs all the time. We appreciate you a lot and the content that you bring, but also just the the attitude and the love that you bring. Uh, I saw your, your Instagram. You said, I'm glad to be back home working out after my 10,000 beers. And I was like, <laughs> I love this guy. This is hilarious because every Instagram post was a beer. And I was living vicariously through you. Uh, I'm not drinking right now. I'm just like, that's my man. Look at that. Look, beer looks so good. So uh, we're kindreds. I'm a home brewer. So one day maybe I can brew some beer and then we'll be able to drink it. You know, that'd be like a that a would be beautiful. Yeah. So I, I love I love too by the way that you brought up um, your daughter London because we did dunk a little bit on the fantasy community earlier. But I think the first thing that I the first fa- the way that I found out about you, Scott, before I followed you because of your great breakfast picture. I believe yeah. that's how that, that our, our back and forth started was everything that the fantasy community doing hashtag letters for London was lifting you up and, and all of that. And so I think that as much as I dunked on people earlier for, for being diehard fantasy players, we love you. Remember, it's a reason we're doing this podcast right now. But I think that that was such a good like showing by the community. And I, I'm very happy to hear that you are well, that London is well, that the family is well. Uh, and I'm glad that we were able to do this podcast together. Uh, well, someday I'm trying to get back into, I'm going to try to become like a golf guy. Maybe I'm thinking about, yeah. so you all have to pick your brain about that as well, Scott. But anyways, I love it. while, while you are waiting for the wide receiver two theory to come out, everybody out there, while you are following Scott at nimble W numbers on Twitter, while you're waiting to jump into his mentions about how dare he speak that way about Mike Gusecki, how dare, he speak that way about Jalen Hurts. You can listen to the College Football Podcast, the Yahoo Sports College Podcast we have here with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. You should also, of course, be listening to Post It Up with Chris Haynes for more in-depth conversations from around the world of the NBA. Kind of a big time in the NBA right now, people, so maybe you should pay attention. Of course, 
I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. That's it for us this week. We'll be back with another pod on Tuesday. Check us out on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. We are out. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.